Welcome to the latest in our podcast series of Challengers and Icons. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with this inspirational Claire Diaz-Ortiz, leader of social innovation at Twitter. She's also the author of the book, Twitter for Good, and one of Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. A non-profit organization founder herself, Claire champions the ways in which Twitter can empower large-scale organizations and social entrepreneurs, making positive change to our world. Welcome, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So we're going to uh, just really kind of keep this kind of brief and, uh, and, and, and focused. And I wanted to start off by asking you, what is, um, in your view, what is one of the key ways that the younger generations who've grown up with Twitter will benefit over those that haven't? Sure. Well, I, you know, as, as, as you read in my bio, I have a passion for digital media and how digital media can really change the world. And so I believe that, you know, the greatest asset that young people have today is their ability to easily navigate digital media and technology without without really any um any disruptions essentially you know most most kids today are are born and live on things like facebook and twitter um from from a young age and i believe that the more we have that technology sort of ingrained in our brains the more likely we are to be able to come up with innovative world changing solutions that include technology i like to I like to think that, you know, five years from now, every nonprofit that starts anywhere in the world will will start with with a, you know, digital media strategy right off the bat, if not a technology focus within their larger mission. So that's kind of, you know, the greatest way I believe that young people will will be able to make a positive impact on the world is basically using their their power with technology. And um, and I think this 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 great access to information is a is, is an enormous force for change, and uh, and for you know spreading messages of truth, and uh, and it, it, the, with that comes a responsibility about how that how those messages are are, are are understood and put out there. Do you feel that there is a there is a negative side to to this, this access to information? So I mean I'm a huge proponent of open information and in you know creating as much sort of transparency in the world as we can through the through the spread of open information that doesn't mean that I'm blind to the times where information creates problems for folks but ultimately you know I believe that the truth rises to the top and the positive things that that will occur through such information spreading is essentially more important than than anything else I uh, to give sort of a, a short story, you know, I got my start on Twitter while I was spending a year living in an orphanage in Kenya in 2006. And, uh, you know, why I was sort of an early user, on the, user of the platform was because I was tweeting about my life in this orphanage and what it was like to work for the nonprofit organization I'd started. And, you know, since that time and the years since, I, I now have a foster son who, who I met that year in that orphanage. And he's He's 19. He recently graduated from high school in the U.S., and he and I were having a conversation uh, some months back. I guess it was last summer, and he was telling me um, about how he had he had recently eaten half a chicken on some trip with one of his friends. He, you know, went to a restaurant and ordered half a chicken. I had never eaten that much chicken before, and he was telling me the story, and I didn't understand where the story was going. And he said, 
you know, but I didn't want to post it on Facebook because I was worried about my friends back at home. And, you know, he's he's been in the U.S. four years now, but many of his friends and peers from his orphanage at home were suffering, you know, one of the worst droughts they'd had in 30 years at the time. And to me, it was such a personal example of kind of what it means um, when, you know, this open spread of information really comes home. And, and from that, we ended up having this whole conversation about, well, what does that mean? You know, why why do we believe in the power of open information when, when you know, sometimes sometimes the spread of it can can highlight the differences between between me and you. And so it's definitely an interesting challenge. I'm not blind to the challenges that exist, but I believe that, you know, uh, the more the more we spread out there the better and that the truth rises to the top. Of course, and and it gives the opportunity for the for in those um, hopefully uh, rarer instances where uh, that the truth needs to be established. It also gives a voice, a voice for that, as you say, to rise to the top. One, one of the core themes of my interviews with successful game changers and, and entrepreneurs is um, that of not being held back by our fears. Can you maybe give us a, a personal um, kind of uh, anecdote of a time when you felt maybe scared or fearful about the unknown or something new that you were getting into? Um, or an initiative, but you you kind of you you did it anyway. Maybe you harnessed those fears, or you faced up to them. Sure, I think I think for me, you know, I you read in my bio that I, I wrote a book called Twitter for Good, and that book really came out of public speaking I was doing. And when I first started, kind of you know working in Silicon Valley and uh, you know spreading out my my personal message about my nonprofit via you know blogging and YouTube videos and that kind of thing. I was slowly dipping my waters into things that I wasn't dipping my foot into the water of things that I wasn't really comfortable with. You know, um, speaking online is, is a new is a new kind of area for most people. But for me, really, the shift happened when all of a sudden I had to start public speaking. And I remember very clearly, you know, before I gave my first sort of public speech, that there wasn't a panel. You know, it was just me talking, and I was I was very worried at the time. And it was interesting to me that I I realized, you know, beforehand going up there on the stage that, you know, I had to do this if I wanted to get out the message I wanted to get out. And for that speech, for that moment, it was it was about my nonprofit organization. And so it was enough of a motivator to get me on the stage. But I think, you know, every day and and certainly every year we all encounter many, many, many situations that make us uncomfortable and um, that that at their, you know, at the, at the most extreme actually give us fear and, and make us scared. And, you know, the importance is just the importance of sort of pushing through those fears and moving to the next stage is obviously critical. You know, years later, I love public speaking now, but it's interesting for me to look back on that and to think of what a huge challenge it was and what intense fear I did have before I went on stage that first time. Mm. It's that it's that authenticity and, and uh, I suppose really the coming back to this idea of truth and content, which I think can, in those kind of situations always gets you through. And uh, certainly, certainly links to the, the kind of um, I think the most powerful types of social media. We share actually um, an interest in in East Africa. I'm I'm also involved in a, a charity in uh, in Kenya, and um, and certainly it's a charity. Uh, it's called the Hala Foundation, and it's and it's recently embraced a social media strategy to help it. So this is a kind of a slightly rhetorical question in the sense that what I'm going to ask you next is is how you think that uh, that Twitter and social media has actually encouraged more social entrepreneurs and non-profit organizations as um, as people believe that they um, can can spread their messages more easily in this medium? Sure. I think, I mean, there are a couple of different reasons. I would say, 
I would say the the two sort of main reasons that uh, you know nonprofit leaders, nonprofit organizations have been drawn to Twitter is that, or Twitter or just social media in general, is that one you know uh, digital media is a great equalizer, right? It, it doesn't matter who you are, you can often build a voice and build a platform from getting on a, a tool like Twitter. And I think secondarily, you know, another key reason is that for most social media platforms, they're free. And so, you know, nonprofits think, hey, this is a great tool for us to to better, you know, market ourselves. Uh, one of my favorite sort of nonprofit organizations based in the U.S. is is one called um, Invisible People, and it started by a man named Mark Horvath. And Mark Horvath on Twitter, his Twitter handle is hardly normal, and that's of course because he is hardly a normal man. He has uh, himself passed through two bouts of through two difficult periods of homelessness on the streets of LA, and the second time that he clawed himself out of homelessness, he said, "You know, this time I'm gonna I'm gonna use my experiences for good." And so he started this nonprofit organization called. Um, invisible people, and really the idea behind it is that, you know, he wants to uplift homeless populations in the U.S. And so when he was starting this nonprofit, he said, well, you know, how am I going to get the word out? And really, you know, as he tells it, he said he turned to Twitter because it was free. And, you know, over time, Marcus found all these incredible ways to use Twitter specifically to uplift the homeless populations he's working with. But I always like that idea that, you know, one of the reasons he really went towards it was because he thought it was, you know, a free marketing tool. And obviously, as I say to many nonprofits uh, today, you know, it's much, much more than a free marketing tool. The real value in Twitter lies in, lies in the engagement you're going to create uh, with donors and potential supporters and with, and with your constituents, the people you're trying to help. But it's always good to remember that, you know, sometimes it's the simple things that get us on social media in the first place. Indeed, and it's certainly something that that you know, that, uh, you know my charity has, has definitely benefited from. So I, I'm very interested in the way that you say this. You see, um, you know, these kind of platforms as, as the great equalizers, and, and clearly, you know, in the space of just you know five or six years, you know, it's it's a, it's become a global phenomenon within um, social entrepreneurs and, and nonprofits. So just staying with this theme, do you see kind of um, do you see it really as a global phenomenon now, or do you do you see it still stemming from certain, you know, regions or or demographic hotspots or, or geographies? Sure. Well, I think you know my you know we we both share a passion for East Africa, and I think one of the you know the challenges that I face every day or the difficulties that I face every day is realizing that you know access is a huge problem and access really limits uh, the power of different digital media tools. You know, many people in the world don't have don't have the smartphones to do what we do out west, essentially, and that's that's really challenging. I'm I'm always on the hunt for more interesting cases of people using digital media um, to to change their lives and to change the world. People who are coming from you know those those non-Western nations, essentially. I think a key sort of element of this that you know the reason this interests me so much is that so many of the positive stories we have about nonprofit and charity use on Twitter really are often coming from you know the person who is providing support or providing help in one way and not really from the constituent or from the affected party from the person receiving receiving the support from a nonprofit and so as you know, I mentioned Mark Horvath with his charity Invisible People and one of the other reasons I really love this charity is because. What, what they do is they put social media and Twitter specifically into hands of the, you know, the users and the affected populations, which for them are homeless individuals, right? So they show them how, you know, using the, 
the crappy little cell phones that the shelter gives them free, you know, how they can use that to connect with each other and to connect with resources. So for me, you know, kind of the future of digital media and the challenge of digital media today are one and the same in that, you know, there isn't enough access for enough people. And so the more access we see extended, the more powerful stories, powerful life-changing stories we'll see that are actually coming from affected populations and not necessarily sort of from the top down from those who are providing the support. So the next 10 years are going to be a phenomenal 10 years in terms of this, um, the great connection that's going to take place and the accessibility of technology to everybody in, in that case, which is, from my point of view, is Yes, and, and from a, from a, the creative opportunity point of view, it's the, the you know, I guess the, um, it, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the opportunities are limitless, really, which is quite, quite thrilling, I think. And that, and that leads me on to my, my sort of penultimate question, which is that, um, with all of these opportunities, um, certainly something I find as a designer that working with, um, large corporations, is that they have real trouble, uh, you know, delivering uh, innovation and keeping up with the pace of change because of bureaucratic structures or shareholder kind of short-term investments and so on. And uh, and innovation and change is is just kind of slow and sluggish and not easy. So I wondered um, what your thoughts were about um, inspiring change through social media. Can can big businesses learn and harness from this and? Uh, I know, for example, that you cite Pepsi as a good example, but but who else in your mind is in, in a large corporate context is is innovating and harnessing social media? Sure. So I think you know what's key to think about in terms of when you're looking at whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit organization is that getting on social media is uh, you know marketing maybe maybe one of your aims, but it's really not just about you know taking a press release and and jamming that into 140 characters, let's say, for Twitter. You know, social media works because because it's an engaged space to to talk to people and to talk to your consumers and your customers and and those those you intend to really connect with. I think that one of sort of the key uses of social media that I've seen in in a successful way, and this happens with many different organizations from you know Delta Airlines to Comcast, the cable company, is the way that uh, some large companies engage in essentially customer support via social media. And it sounds maybe simple, it sounds kind of mundane, but it absolutely highlights the real-time nature of, of a social media platform. And it, it really can, can change the way that companies are able to, to go about their business. And, you know, when I speak with nonprofit organizations, it's funny because I often, often reference this idea that, you know, large corporations use social media to give customer service support and I use that example for nonprofits because I, I want them to think about how, how they can best do that in their own organization or how they can best tweak that idea so that it works for them, whether it's, you know, speaking directly with a donor or speaking directly with a volunteer. How can they creatively think about, you know, using social media as really an immediate channel to talk back and forth with someone they're trying to help or someone they're trying to connect with in that very moment? So... I think that's one thing that we can learn from. Great. So really, um, just to, to wrap up, I just, uh, you know, was very interested in terms of, uh, from a personal point of view in, in the kind of like the, the very fast rise and impact that you've, that you've had, um, in terms of passing on maybe a tip for people that are listening in for inspiring change, what would you consider your top tip to be? 
So I think one thing to think about is that, you know, in, in sort of the digital world that we're now in, inspiring change is not, is not just about obviously, um, staying in your bubble. And I think most people realize that when they hear the word inspiration, they hear that, okay, that means I have to go out there and I have to speak with others and I have to connect with others. But I think more than anything, I think sort of the new change maker, the, the new change maker will be a digital change maker. And even if the person's mission isn't connected to technology, maybe they're not using technology for good necessarily um, in their mission statement, whatever they're doing can be amplified via technology. And getting out there and connecting with folks is is really about kind of building an online platform for yourself, an online brand for yourself, and helping to generate, you know, yourself as a catalyst in, in the movement you want to create. And I think the digital world offers offers that like never before for people simply because it's free, it's simple, it's a way for, for you to connect with anyone and over time, you know, it will it will add to to the greatness of the movement you're trying to build. Well, I think for all the um, the digital change makers that are listening in and uh, thinking about the world, which is going to be equalized through the power of technology, I think that's been um, a fascinating um, you know, conversation with you, Claire. And I just want to say thank you very much once again for, for talking to us. And uh, we wish you all the best and look forward to all the amazing things which are yet to come. Well, I can't thank you enough also. It's, it's lovely to talk kind of about, about what the future is for change makers everywhere. And I do believe that, that technology is a key, key part of that future. Thank you very much, Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Thanks.